We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire, FFPC, and Bet Online. We are super excited to be back with you guys for another yeah, just a little conversation about some college football, some fantasy football, and uh, a lot of other nonsense. How you doing, Matt? I am wonderful. It is uh it's been a good week for uh me getting to talk about football. Yes, you were on the College to Canton podcast with our boy Travis May. Uh, I listened to the episode this morning. Uh, it is Monday while we were recording. I don't know what day you recorded it, but that was that was some good stuff there. Only I only had two problems with it, really, and that was one, the lack of conversation around uh, my Oregon 
Ducks, but that's for good reason. They don't have receivers um, in the past anyway. And then uh, Hunter Renfro being left out of the discussion was super disappointing to me when you guys were talking about Clemson. Well, I think I've made it pretty abundantly clear on this show. I don't like Hunter Renfro. I don't think he's meaningful. And as for Oregon, get good. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Both That's foreshadowing in many ways. Both in this podcast, we'll talk a little bit about Oregon. But also in reality, we will get there. Uh, but yeah, what, what else has been going on uh, football-wise for you guys? So for uh, you, not you guys, just you. <laughs> just me? Oh, um, you missed Jordan. It, it's it's pretty clear. Um, so, I mean, we had the big industry-wide Scott Fishbowl draft. Uh, has been going on for the past week. Has it only been yep. seven days? It's only so. been a week. <laughs> Feels like that's been going on for seven years. Um, so the Scott Fishbowl draft, which I wrapped up a couple of days ago, um, and I had a few, um, well, I had one of my Debbie drafts this past weekend, which was a whole lot of fun. Nice. Um, I know you wanted to talk to me a little bit about it. Talk to me a little bit about it. So uh, this was my, so I, I did two dispersal drafts this off season where I joined and in one of them, I, I went and I was like, screw it. I'm going to win now. And the other one I was planning on doing that, but things didn't really break that way in the actual draft itself. Um, so I decided to punt and go kind of full future and ended up going into the draft with the second most Devi cash for and had six spots midway through the draft. I traded away Kirk Cousins for a whole lot more money and uh, four more spots. And well, this must be say, super flex. Yes, this is super flex. So to super say flex. that I um, came away with this with a, a bit of a haul would be an understatement. Um I'll just stay, I'll start it off by just mentioning I got three QBs um, in this, so three future QBs: Sam Howell, who a lot of people see as a first-round player in Devi drafts; uh, Spencer Rattler, another guy who's in that same kind of range; yep. um, uh, part uh, Jaden Daniels, who is you'll hear a little bit later about him. Yeah, I'm, like him. I'm I'm weighing on Jaden Daniels, and then. <laughs> It's funny. I uh, I got in a few bidding wars, and um, number first bidding war was um, Chris Olave. Um, I spent more on Shocker. him. <laughs> I spent I spent eighty one dollars on him for the three QBs that I told you I got. I spent eighty six dollars combined. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so um, now that isn't to say like sort some of the wide receivers went stupid high. Like George Pickens went for like two hundred and eighty. Um, Jamar Chase went for like 250, like stuff like that. It, like, so it's not a super ridiculously high price. Um, I got David Bell, the wide receiver at Purdue for 51. Right. Um, I got uh, Julian Fleming for Ohio $208. State, yeah. $208. Um, wow. That was um, a friend of ours, uh, you know, Steve Treble. Yes. He, um, he was the guy that also came in there with a ton of money. And well, actually it wasn't him. I thought it was him, but it was not him. Um, well, another person in there went in there with a ton of money, and he thought he was going to outbid me on Fleming, but didn't realize that I had an absurd amount of money remaining. So I max bid him, which was <laughs> he had exactly $208 left. So I set my max bid at $208. Um, I got my boy Jackson Smith and Jigba um, for $1. <laughs> Damon Demas, who is... Some people are thinking he's going to be the next great receiver for 25. 
uh, Bijan Robinson for 41 and Devonta Smith for $52. So that is all over the place. It it was a, this was the weirdest auction I've ever seen ever tip. Like when we looked at the, cause this is a league that's split into two divisions and in the other division prices were fairly normalized. You had a couple of people sneak through, but Sam Howell went for like $180 in that one. So me stealing him for as cheap as I did, um, safe to say I am pretty happy about my future in this league because it is a it is a strong league that will be around for a while, so I don't have to worry about it just folding on me. And it is um yeah, I'm I'm kind of set with talent as long as if fifty percent of these guys turn into high draft picks like they're all projected to. I'm in a really good spot. Yes, you are. That's fun. I I I love Debbie. It's such a shot in the dark sometimes. Like, you know, you you can only do so much, and then a lot is going to end up depending on where these guys get drafted. But man, the process is so much fun. So um, that that is lovely. Uh, How do you like your Scott Fishbowl team? Um, it, it's kind of weird because the guy who was drafting at the one hundred and one. Um, was getting you like and I were great. both at 102, right? Yeah, so I was at the both. 102, and the guy who was yeah. sitting at 101 in my league, uh, Ben Gretsch of CBS, formerly of Rotoviz, was getting praise like crazy from people in the industry. So Peter Overzet and Pat Crane were basically like gushing over his team, and they were just like, I can't believe he got this person like two rounds after I had to get him. I can't believe, like, are, his dra- are the people in his league sitting there like drafting all kickers? And I'm just sitting there like, you know, I really like my team. Um, <laughs> so, and it was funny because Matt Spencer um, on Twitter put out his, like, put his projections of, like, the best starting lineups. And I, I mean, I'm top 100 in that. So, we'll see. I'm pretty, I mean, I think it's good. I got, I, I decided to go a little out of my comfort zone and I started with two quarterbacks. So, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. I, uh, I I got a lot of players that I didn't have much exposure to. So I was also picking at the 102. And Mahomes went first. Again, this is super flex. And quarterbacks get, like, there's a, a weighted scoring system for good quarterbacks, like completions and incompletions or points and all that kind of stuff. So uh, Mahomes went first. So I was tempted to go Lamar Jackson, but I just uh, went with Christian McCaffrey because I just felt safe. Even but then in I this went, format... Last year, I think he was like the third highest scoring player overall. Yeah. So there's there's no harm in taking Christian McCaffrey. But then in round two, I ended up going Kyler Murray. And I was like, okay, let's just do this. Let's just have fun. I'm going to go get some players I don't have much exposure to. And uh, players that like I have been saying I'm high on, but for some reason, uh, just haven't been getting them. So guys like CD Lamb, I got him, him pretty late. Um, Hayden Hurst, I got him in the eighth round. I love Hayden Hurst, and I think I'm one of the higher people on him. Uh, and I and I got Cam Newton, which I was super excited about. But I, <laughs> looking at where he was getting drafted and all the other divisions, I think I went a little early. I got him in the fifth round, so we'll yeah, see. But hey, if you like the guy, you like the guy. You're not going to be. Yeah, I can definitely say if you've looked at the uh, value thing, if you go through the SFB ADP. Um, app that's you can get to from the site um there's one clear guy who reached for his guys more than anyone and i promise you your one cam newton pick is not going to trump all that because right. yeah it you in this this is a league where guys get their guys 
this is where people constantly are doing the we've been building this for or we've been doing this for a while now let's uh we're stand by our picks and in this one this is clearly a place where people do that yeah for sure and uh i got stidham super late just in case things break bad with cam uh but let's get into some uh some news with the with college football which is you know hopefully just a couple months away, but we'll, we'll see what actually takes place there. Uh, some big news over the weekend, um, big 10 and the PAC 12 both decided that they were going to be doing only conference games this season. And I'd like to hear from you just kind of what your initial reaction was when you heard that. And then as you've had some time to kind of, you know, mull it over what has changed or, or where you kind of think this is uh, pushing us towards. Well, so my, my first thought was to, text you and say that our rivalry would have to wait one year right so that was that was priority one let you know that you're you lucked out you don't have to face ohio state um but um really i I think there's a couple of things that come into play here number one i don't necessarily think this guarantees that there's a season it's it's still unfortunate but the truth is i i still think spring is a possibility and i still think that canceling the season as a whole is still on the table don't kill me for saying that, but it's true. Um, but then the other thing that I really uh, find interesting about this is they, the big thought is that it gives a little extra flexibility. So by only having yes. nine weeks, you're able to, um, if you have to postpone a game because there's too many cases, you can postpone a game. Um, if you have to do additional testing to find out you can delay a game so i think with this the fact that they're doing this type of stuff number one pretty much seals the deal if you think there's going to be any fans in the stadium this year there aren't um because they're doing this for additional flexibility and having fans would ruin that flexibility and number two it it just continues the like push of this isn't there no one is expecting this just disappear tomorrow so um, I'm pretty happy that the Big Ten is getting ahead of it and is at least making decisions um, because then they can start to plan for potential outcomes. If something goes wrong, what do we do? And yeah, I mean, we'll see how it all goes. I think I would, I'm tr- I don't want to say this, but I wouldn't get my hopes up and I'm a l- little concerned they really are going to try the spring season. Which would have its whole other line of, no one will play right i mean you have that problem of people like well if i'm getting ready for the nfl draft i don't want to be putting myself out there this close to that i'd rather be training for the combine or whatever it might be or you know i i I really do wonder if some of these um like just debbie assets that we have like the travis etienne's the chuba hubbard's and um all the receivers that are you know the top 10 like that I wouldn't even be super worried about the super high picks. I would think it's if you have a guy like for me, that guy's a lave. Like if there's no season or even beyond that, if even if Justin Fields doesn't play, the likelihood of Chris Alave increasing his value and becoming a late day one pick, that type of stuff goes out the window. So if you're right. hoping like you're right on someone, like I feel like I am right on really liking Kenneth Gainwell. But if there's no season or if he sits out this year because he's like, well, I'm getting um, I'm going to get drafted. But now he might be a fifth round pick who really has to fight to even get his foot in the door versus if he went out and put up 2000 yards this year. Then maybe you're talking about a guy who sneaks into day two. Right. No, that's yeah. There's so many, so many 
unknowns that will, <laughs> yeah, that will be coming down the down the pike here. And it's really really hard to even put up good guesses at this point. Uh, but what we what we are seeing is that you know, and I think everyone else is going to follow suit here pretty soon. Is that it's going to be a reduced schedule, and because of that, we're also you know we we teased last time that we are going to do our our picks for teams going over under uh, the spread and all that kind of stuff. We'll be pushing that back, of course, until we actually know how many games are going to be played and what the schedules look like. Uh, because who knows? Um, I'm also curious what this will mean for like. A playoff like will it be an expanded playoff will there not be a playoff <laughs> like um just so many questions and very little answers and it'll be uh it'll be interesting but we did get one answer uh, jt daniels has been deemed not um, eligible to play for this year if there is um going to be football so georgia has some nice competition um in their quarterback room how do you think this will will break down uh between jt daniels and uh newman so i I think the immediate edge has to go to uh, Jamie Newman for this year. And that's mostly just, he's been with the team a little bit longer. He, his systems or his style sort of, I I don't want to say, you can't say for sure it fits better in Georgia, but he's just been with the playbook a little bit longer. He didn't come out of a year in the air raid system, which is, I'm going to just guess pretty dramatically different from what they were planning on running this year, even with the shift in offensive mindset. But I think everyone, I, I think I mentioned it last time. I like JT Daniels a lot. If it does get pushed back to the spring, I, I think it was Curtis Patrick who mentioned on Twitter. He thinks that would be a real opening for Daniels to get in. But I think if there is at least limited camp, if it's, if we do just try and push through with in the fall, I, I think it's going to be Newman this year. And then Daniels takes over next year. And yeah, I mean, it'll be, it, that's an interesting scenario. I, I really think Georgia was almost banking on him, not getting eligibility this year. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting for sure. And something that I, well, we, uh, one of the things we're going to be doing here in a little bit is just going through like our way too early top 10 for the year. And one of the things that I really noticed was the amount of teams that have, turnover at the quarterback position and in Georgia, it's going to be super interesting to see what their offense looks like um, going from, from uh, to whomever ends up winning this competition. But, you know, as a true Seahawks fan, I do believe that uh, competition brings about um, the best results. So I do think it's an overall like plus for Georgia. It's a great problem to have uh, when you have got to uh, really, you know, who, what we expect to be capable and, and maybe even very good quarterbacks competing to see who's going to take on the starting job. It's I think it's only good for their program. For sure. So today's FFPC stat of the day is 31 players in college football last year had 10 receiving touchdowns, and it was Terrace Marshall and not Jamar Chase who had the highest touchdown, uh, highest touchdown to reception ratio. FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head over to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we've got a handful of tools at Rotoviz designed specifically for FFPC domination. So please do check that out. I am going to say that that is a crazy stat that you gave us. Of course, your boy Alave is on that list too. Uh, didn't I, he have Alave, like I will say Alave was second. Oh, I, wow. I, yeah. I'm going to be honest. When I, I when I was putting that in and checking out the the ratio, I was really hoping Chris Alave with his 
um, 12 touchdowns on, I think he had like 46 receptions last year. It was not a lot, um, was really hoping he was going to be number one. Um, but he was second. Yeah. Uh, I, I only, I only, the only reason I wasn't surprised when I saw this stat that you put together was because, uh, you guys talked about, uh, you and Travis talked about Marshall a little bit on your, uh, wide receiver, you conversation on the, uh, on the podcast. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd love to hear you just talk a little bit about Marshall because he is a guy who has really been overlooked. Um, I think a lot of people might not even know what team he plays for. So he he's the other LSU wide receiver. And it's, it's sort of crazy to sit here and think like Justin Jefferson had an absurd amount of touchdowns last year, including the four touchdown game in the playoff. Yeah. Um, Jamar Chase right now is everybody's number one wide receiver. And I honestly can't even dismiss that he should be. Um, but Terrace Marshall was in the same class as Jamar Chase was a highly regarded prospect. He did get on the field as a freshman, but as everyone knows, the offense was not the same in 2018. Um, it was definitely not the same uh, air raid attack that it turned into in 2019. Um, and then last year he had double digit touchdowns and honestly, he was, he was injured for a decent amount of the year. Um, he's just, he's the guy that last year was the third wide receiver. Um, and now he is second behind chase. And if miles Brennan doesn't suck and they don't change the offense back to what it was, or, I mean, it, it just kind of seems like he's going to be a named no, and he might end up, I don't want to say breaking out this year, but he might just be a guy that all of a sudden kind of reminds everyone, Hey, I'm really good too. Yes. And I think uh, we often have this, not you and I, but in the industry, people often have the debate of what does it mean to be like a number two receiver on your team? Like, is that good or bad? Because, you know, some people are like, well, you're not going to see as many targets, but then the, the opposite argument is, well, the defense is going to be more focused on the other receiver. So you'll probably have the, if there's any double teaming, it's going to be on chase, not Marshall. So it really could go either way. And, and I think one of the big questions for, this year is that is that Brennan question that you just brought up like how good can he be and what what effect will Brady's leaving uh to to go coach in the NFL what what effect will that have on the team as well uh to me this this remains one of the big questions heading into the season is just and I know I don't remember if you were um just trying to troll people because Let's be honest. You like trolling people. What are you talking about? I've never <laughs> trolled anyone in my life. Um, Everything but, uh, I say is a hundred percent serious. Exactly. So I, I remember you. I don't remember if you put the over under at like six and a half on LSU wins this year, but I remember you were uh, at the beginning of the summer. You were a little bit down on uh, what LSU could look like. Where Where do you think their outlook is now? Honestly, I'm not. It It, it hasn't changed a ton. I still think they could be awesome. Well, I don't don't want to like give it away, but they are listed in my way too early top 10. I still think you have to just because they are loaded with talent. Um, that team is going to be very much towards the top of any talent debate you have across the country. It just, it sucks that they didn't go after JT Daniels. Because if they had JT Daniels, who is this year eligible, I would have a lot of hope that they might actually be able to kind of keep it going. But I, I think there's still a team you have to say at the end of this year, things break right. They're in contention for the playoff. Things break wrong. Maybe they're not in contention for the West after like six games. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they're a team that would have a significant um, downgrade to their hope for a playoff if the SEC also only does conference games? Like, do you think being being in such a tough conference in the SEC, if those are the only games they're playing, could really hurt their chances just because they won't get to that win total? But I don't think anyone's going to get... I think the thing is, is no one's going to get to a certain win total. And when it comes to... But if you have two losses out of nine games, that's a lot worse than two losses out of, you know, the regular, like, 13, you know? Or but, they, I mean, if you don't if you don't put the cupcakes on a lot of people, on all these schedules, you're going to see a lot of people have records that in a normal year would be incredibly concerning. Mm-hmm. I think that you're just not going to, like... I think that eight and one in a vacuum is probably good enough to compete for the SEC championship. If there's, I mean, if they, if they only play conference games, so all this is super caveated by if we go into a season, they only play conference games. The East representative is probably going to go eight and one. The West representative will probably go nine and zero. Second and third place are both probably going to be on both of them. We'll probably have two losses. So if you're talking about seven and two, I mean, yeah, you're right. That doesn't look as good, but it's still kind of the same as every other year. It's the same as 10 and two while playing three cupcakes. But the the thing that's going to be interesting is that you're going to see a team that we're all going to sit here all around the country and say, that's a really good team. And they're going to have a record that's six and three. And that's just, it's going to be something that we have to kind of, it's adjusting the numbers because all of a sudden your sample size is very small. So, I, I mean, I can't say it'll hurt them. I think, I think they're probably, I think we're going to see top 10 teams this year that end up with two losses. Um, and if we only play nine games, that's a lot different than a normal year. Right. For sure. For sure. Well, we've been doing our NFL draft prospect series. We have been, there you go. Uh, we have been prepping that uh, between you, me and Travis. I think that we're the only three who have contributed to this. If so far, Curtis yeah. is, if Curtis has contributed, I'm sorry. I haven't seen it. Um, but so I've, I've done uh, two. There's a third one. That's, it might be posted by the time we uh, do this and I'll happily talk about it. Um, you've done one. And then I believe uh, Travis has done two or three. Yeah, um, he's done so at least it, two, maybe three. Yep. So we're it's a series where not only are we looking at the guys who are right on the verge of coming out, so not just the class of 2021 guys. 2020s in the past, we already know who the guys are. Great, grand, wonderful. But 2021, we're starting off with these Devi prospects because we're college football guys, and we're looking. Like we don't even want to just look at 2022, even 2023, the incoming freshmen. We're going beyond that. We're going all the way up to guys who are currently going into their senior year of high school who are committed to a program because one of the best ways to enjoy college football and to enjoy Devi and enjoy the process of like getting to know these players is getting to know them early, being being able to plant your flag and say, I've got Jackson Smith and Jigba as my number one wide receiver of the incoming freshman because he's really awesome and he scores a ton. Or even for, I don't know, a single guy committed to Oregon, so I'm just going to look at this list. Or Troy Franklin coming into Oregon. You've heard of Troy Franklin. I've heard his name, but I'm not going to sit here and say I can 
tell you much about him. Troy Franklin, he's a five-star. We got a five-star at Oregon. You know what he's going to be? He's going to be the next Julio Jones. So I, I think it's just, it's a fun thing for us to do because it is. Even if you're in just a dynasty league, it's a way to have an edge. Getting to know players in college football is a way to have an edge because you will, you can understand more than just looking at two, their two final contributing seasons because you got to know them when they were starting. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's super fun. I, I really enjoyed uh, working on this. Um, and that, like you said, you start reading about guys that are still in high school and you just start nerding out about the future and what it could look like. And of course we all know that so many of these four star five star players don't develop to what we'd hope they'd be. Um, um, pedigree does matter, but exactly, but it does matter. And it, while many of them will not make it, there's going to be a lot more four and five stars and three stars that make it. So, um, it's definitely something to, uh, to, to dive into. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear a little bit about, um, some of the ones you did. Let's hear just kind of Ohio state. I'd love to listen in. I mean, I, I already heard a little bit on the podcast with Travis, but I'd love to hear you just explain why you were so excited about not only Ohio state, um, the team they're going to be putting on the field this year, but, uh, as we were talking about the future as well. So I'm going to, I'm just going to throw out a few of the obvious ones because I don't want to spend too much time on the names that we've all heard. Justin Fields. Um, last year he accounted for 51 touchdowns and three TDs. If you put in 50 touchdowns and three or fewer interceptions, or I'm sorry, 40 passing touchdowns and three or fewer interceptions, there's one name on that list for all time. Or I think their database only goes back to 2000, but in college football reference, if you go there, he is the only name on the list. Last year was insane. That was also his first year as a starting quarterback at the college level. So he's insane. He's my personal one Oh one in all Debbie drafts. I thought it was going to be Trevor Lawrence. I don't care. I want a quarterback who can run a lot. So I know Trevor Lawrence showed us he could run in the playoffs and I hate that guy for him for it. But Justin Fields <laughs> is Vince Young, but more accurate. Um, then we'll we'll hit hit the big one at wide receiver for me. Um, it's Gar- I, I was going to say it's Garrett Wilson and joke. <laughs> Garrett Wilson's legit. Um, Chris Olave. I've talked about him a lot. I think there's if you start reading some of the like more respected film guys um, who do the draft, they're starting to come around on Chris Olave. Could be right in the conversation with Bateman and with um, Rondale Moore as best receiver in the big 10. I think my big issue, my big thing that I always point out is look at who Justin Fields is throwing to when the game is on the line. It's Chris Olave. You can't, you can't sit there and like undervalue that. Like that's so important or overvalue that it's so important to just be the guy and have that relationship. And so last year he only had a 24% market share. So um, that might fall off, but truthfully, there's a lot of volume out there. He's going to get it. Oh yeah. There's a lot of vacated targets. I don't think people realize um, that. I mean, they lost three guys who at the beginning of the year were projected as starters. Benjamin Victor, KJ Hill, and Austin Mack were the three guys listed as starters. And Chris Olave was the guy that by year's end was the starter. So I, I mean, so then here are the names that are kind of on the upcoming uh, Garrett Wilson. He's still pretty big name. Everyone kind of knows him. He is a true sophomore. He made a whole bunch of ridiculous catches last year, and he made probably the most ridiculous catch of the playoff. 
pretty much all you have to sit here and say is he's going to be very good. He, he was one of the highest ranked receivers to ever commit to the program. Jeremy Ruckert is a name that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot because he's an Ohio State tight end and Ohio State doesn't use their tight end enough. They don't throw to him. Jeremy Ruckert had a very important catch in the comeback win against Wisconsin. He was, I think, the number two tight end in his um, in his high school class. He was considered to be probably the best receiving tight, receiving tight end in his class. I don't necessarily know if he's going to get the volume to get in the conversation with Brevin Jordan and with Kyle Pitts next year. Those are the two big tight ends coming out. Um, but he is a, he's kind of a freak athlete. I would expect he's planning on declaring after this year. And I do think that he'll have an opportunity to increase his draft stock with, I mean, realistically he, if he got like five touchdowns, he's going to do it in a spectacular fashion. Um, beyond that, it's really about the youth that Ohio State has, and it's the big four incoming receivers, um, and that's Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Guy Scott Jr., and Mookie Cooper. Um, everyone loves Julian Fleming. He's projected as like the next Tulio Jones. He's the freak athlete that everyone loves. Um, I'm a Smith and Jigba guy because he had 2,000 yards receiving, 34 touchdowns as a senior, and he also added in some uh, rushing work. That's insane. That is that is insane. I like G. Scott Jr. only because he uh, his father is uh, does a lot of radio work up in Seattle, so I used to hear him on the radio all the time, and he would talk about his his kid being um, playing playing football. And so I just feel like I've already known about him for a couple of years. And so I really hope that he has a lot of success. And he, he's a good guy. does a lot of stuff for his community. Um, yeah. Uh, the last guys I just want to quickly touch on, cause you know, I, I could talk about them all day. Uh, CJ Stroud and Jack Miller, uh, last year, Ohio state signed two top quarterbacks to both four stars. Um, both of them at, at one point were fringe five stars. Stroud ended up pushing to be a five star. Um, one of those two guys is going to earn the backup role this season, and one of them will um, likely be the starter going in next year. Stroud is the initial favorite for that because he um, passed for almost 4,000 yards last year as a senior and 47 touchdowns, and he was the Elite 11 MVP, which I don't know if they used the same criteria for the Elite 11 last year that they did this year, which is a weird breakdown where it's 75% film. Yeah. And not anything to do with the system, but I don't know. Uh, but CJ Stroud is a, is a guy that has a lot of upsides, but so does Jack Miller. People are kind of liken him to a Ben Roethlisberger type quarterback. Um, one of those guys is going to become the starter. And that guy, if Ryan day keeps up his trend, that guy's going to be a first round quarterback. And yeah. there's a lot of value in that. And the other guy's probably going to transfer to somewhere and he's probably going to be really talented. So both are names to watch because one's going to be the starter for the best program in the country. And the other guy's going to be a starter somewhere. Oh, I thought you meant the other guy's going to be starting at Ohio state. <laughs> no, the other guy, the, the other guy. I, so I think it'll be CJ Stroud gets the start because Ryan right. seems very high on him. And I think Jack Miller will eventually transfer. And there's a good chance he transfers to a program like, Oklahoma. Let's no, say. I, I I don't think it'll be that high. I I mean, he might be the next guy that goes down to the Bayou and takes over LSU, or he might it might go smaller than that. He might be like the guy that takes over a Cincinnati level program or a Memphis. Um, but they're really talented, so yeah, no, it, it's hard you, to say uh, with a transfer. 
You didn't really talk about J.K. Dobbins' replacement. It's because there's like six of them. Um, I, so there's Trey Sermon, who I, I in the past I've expressed I'm not a huge fan of as a player. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be fine. I think there's a chance he's a day two player because he has size and speed, but he's also coming off a fairly significant in, in knee injury. It's not the ACL injury that we all kind of thought it was. I think it was LCL, but I think he's going to be very good. Um, if Ohio State keeps doing what they've been doing, he'll probably get pretty close to a thousand yards this year. I love Master Teague. I really wish he was healthy. I think he has a torn Achilles and they're just not saying anything because Ohio State doesn't talk about injuries. But at a minimum, I would guess he has a partially torn Achilles. So the chances of him being super successful at Ohio State are probably not there, which is sad because the guy was over 200 pounds and had a timed 4-3-40 in high school. He's insane. And I wanted him to be there. He had straight line speed for days. And then the third guy that I am interested in is Marcus Crowley. Um, he was really kind of getting that third running back work. He was going in and all the blowouts. He was in mop-up duty a lot last year. He was the uh, Gatorade player of the year in Florida during his senior year of high school. And the staff loves him. They felt like when they signed him, he was a gem and they found this secret dude. And then he tore his ACL in November. So he just might, it seems like him and Teague are coming in, not at a hundred percent. And if, it seems like Teague might be in a little worse case, so Crowley might be the backup. But I don't know. I, I mean, I think it'll be interesting because whoever is the starting running back for Ohio State is going to do well. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I just wanted you to take a, a second to talk about it. We're going to be right back after uh, this quick break. Uh, we'll talk about um, some of the Pac-12 articles that we wrote. Welcome into Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, host of the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. We love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them. As a thank you, loyal podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one year Rotoviz subscription by using the promo code 2020RVRadio at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? BetOnline has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. I know that I will be uh, getting on there a little bit later today to uh, put some bets down on the Seattle Sounders who kick off uh, their MLS. This new, yeah, have you seen what they're doing in the MLS with like their yeah. World Cup style tournament? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Uh, Seattle plays I'm early a tomorrow morning. Ticket holder for a team. Oh, that's true. Of course, of course you do. You you are uh, my you team got killed. Cincinnati. My yeah. team lost four nothing. It was great. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna put a little bit of cash on uh, on the Seattle Sounders myself. Uh, I'm not telling anyone else to do that, but but I will be. Uh, so yeah, so I'm excited for that. Uh, I I'm pretty sure that yesterday would have been the Euro finals had um, we not had to cancel the Euro soccer championships. 
And uh, it was a little bit hard for me because I, I fully believe that my country, the Netherlands, would have been uh, representing me and my uh, my country very well, and we would have been winning, hoisting the trophies first time since 1988. Alas, it wasn't meant to be. But let's get <laughs> let's get back into football. Uh, talk to me a little bit about USC. To me, they they remain a team. Like every year, I don't really well. Lately, I don't have much faith in them, and I know we were even kind of making fun of USC for their kind of poor recruiting last year, but they seem to be doing a really good job right now getting ready for 2021. So I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on USC, what you kind of discovered, and uh, should I be, as an Oregon fan, should I be nervous about what USC is going to be bringing um, out to the football field this season? I mean, they're coming off one of their worst recruiting classes of all time. Um so I won't sit here and like, if you're a USC fan, don't sit here and think it's going to be awesome. We're going to be the best ever. You're probably still in a downswing as long as you have Clay Helton. So hopefully he's gone as an Oregon fan. I mean, I wasn't a Slovis believer last year. I think I, I poo pooed him a lot. I think I was telling everyone I uh, was a big JT Daniels guy. And I, I thought Daniels would have um, been even better, but 72% completion percentage over 3,500 yards and an AYA over 9.43. That's really impressive. And the fact that they jumped up over six points per game um, and almost and over one half of a yard per play, those are, I mean, they're sub- substantial increases. So it's hard to really knock them. They went all in on this air raid. They, they got Graham Harrell and, um, I mean, they, they really went all in on this air raid attack. So Slovis is is the guy. I think you could probably make a case he's quarterback two in the in his class, in the class of 2022, behind Sam Howell. You could even, I mean, you're not as high on Sam Howell as I am. You might have him as QB1. Um, but beyond that, it for that team, it's Slovis, it's receivers, and then it's a garbage room full of running backs. Um, for me, I'm an Amon Ross St. Brown guy ever since he, I mean, he, as a freshman, he had 750 yards. Uh, followed that up the next year with over a thousand yards. And that was really during Michael Pittman's breakout season where Pittman had, I think he had like 12 or somewhere between 12 and 1400 yards. Um, and Amon Ross, Amon Ross St. Brown still found a way to be the consistent guy for Slovis and, with Michael Pittman out the door and really like that was the, a huge chunk of their yardage. Uh, you're looking at him sitting in this potential now where he could be looking at this dominant final year that we kind of look for the, the, the huge year with like the 40% market share of yards. If he does something like that, I really think he's going to be in that conversation with all of the top guys. And he could be in that first round conversation now, at the same time, we said the exact same thing about his brother, Equin- Equinemius St. Brown, um, who ended up being a seventh round pick. So fingers crossed that playing at USC with an air raid attack gets you a better draft capital than playing with Notre Dame. So, um, But that's the big name. For Beyond that, I think you've got a few interesting names. Um, Tyler Vaughn's, if he wasn't a thousand years old and he wasn't going into his fifth year, I really might say that he's got the look of that's exactly the same as Michael Pittman. He's been a producer for three years, had over 20, uh, 20% of market share for three consecutive years. There's a chance that he just is that safety net guy 
I just can't ever see him becoming a day two draft capital. So mm-hmm. not really a name to watch because the advanced age, because just doesn't appear to be special, at least not in the eyes of the NFL guys. Um, one guy that I am really interested in that I really do like is it's probably time to try and trade for Brew McCoy. He was definitely taken um, in Debbie drafts as a freshman because he was the number one overall athlete and he was the ninth overall player in his class. And he, he has kind of a weird story because way late in the process, he decided to flip to Texas from USC and he was, it was great. He was joining Texas. He was going to go be their guy. And it was like a month on campus. He decided he was homesick and transferred back to, um, and transferred back to USC. And I actually forgot. He, he actually got out of his letter of intent to join Texas. So crazy story. Um, and I think because of the fact that he's now been out of sight, out of mind, no one can think about him because he has to sit out a year. Everyone has forgotten that he was such an elite athlete. So he's a guy to watch because there is kind of no third receiver on that team right now, because mm-hmm. one of the guys that we're looking at was Kyle Ford was kind of expected to make that jump because he was a high four-star prospect and if Vaughn's is really just a 20% share guy, there's still a lot of volume out there. And Brew McCoy is maybe the highest upside guy. So if you're, if you're in a Debbie draft, he's the guy to go fire a fire, a low ball offer on and see if the owner just is sick of staring at him. <laughs> yeah. um, and then their running back room. We mentioned it always sucks. Steven Carr is the name everyone wants to blow up because he was a super duper high player. He was a top 20 overall player in his class. Um, I think he's done. His injuries are just too bad. He's going into his fourth year, has really not done a whole lot since he's been there. The one guy I really, really am interested in is this guy, Keenan Kristen. Christ- um, he was third most carries on the team with 68, turned into 373 yards and two touchdowns. The only reason why I, I like him is, one, he's going to be basically available to let sit there on on the outside. You don't have to try and draft him. Um, but you can just know about him early, but he ran a 10, five, eight hundred meter dash. And he's also part of the USC track team. Speed, 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 speed. If he's getting, yes. <laughs> if he gets, he he's definitely undersized. He's not going to be this dude. That's going to be a workhorse, but he is a guy that, you know, maybe a team wants some speed on their roster and he's a guy that finds a spot. And what about their, I know you said their 2020 class was pretty brutal. How's their 2021 class? Uh, looking as far as recruiting i know that they were last i looked they were pretty high up there but i i have to be honest i haven't read your article yet because i was out of town um i was in them i was in the mountains with no service at all um but i have seen them pretty high on the kind of like the composite rankings but i actually don't know if that's like it could be defensive linemen for all i know that doesn't really contribute to like fantasy football so well, then i'd you, love to hear you don't thoughts. know you don't know california because california yeah. is talent now but so they're all going it, to oregon baby it, it's funny because i don't actually think a lot of these guys are all from california they've actually done a nice job they ranked 55th overall last year in the recruiting class which was worth making fun of them for and this yes. year right now they sit at sixth so jake garcia is a four-star commit and miller moss is a four-star commit uh, miller moss at least at one point was considering um reclassifying and joining the team this year and i would say it, the cl- as we get closer and closer to fall if it looks like there won't be high school football i would kind of expect for him to be a guy that does re or does uh reclassify and joins a team 
um, or at least tries to graduate early. Um, so he's a really interesting name and he did very, I think he did very well at the elite 11. They have a few names. They've got three, um, wide receiver commits, uh, Quadre Davis out of Dallas, um, Kalen Bullock and Michael Jackson. Um, and then I think the guy that if you're holding out hope that USC is going to have a running back again, that is very meaningful. It is this kid, Brandon Campbell. Um, during his 2019 season, he had a, he had 22 total touchdowns and he has actually been tested at a sub four, six which uh, while four, six, isn't great. It's nice to see them at a point where you're going to get stronger. You're probably going to get faster when you get to college. And so the fact that he is already, um, sub four, six, there's, there's definitely some interesting, um, spots there. So he's a guy worth watching. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, USC, uh, they're like, uh, it's kind of like how Michigan is for you. Like you don't ever want them to be good, but college football is actually better when they are. That's how I feel about USC. Like I, I love when Oregon just destroys them, but it's better for college football when USC is relevant. So uh, it's good hearing that, you know, while it might be a little bit of a, well, I don't know, man, Slovis. They're going to, they're going to be able to score points at a minimum. They're going to go out there and put up like 30 points a game. Yeah. And it's, um, it's fun for sure. And in the pac 12, you know, not, it's not like they're uh, going up against of elite teams every week. Um, but speaking of elite teams from the pac 12, um, how'd you like that transition? I, I wrote up, Wait, is uh, it time to talk about Arizona state now? Yeah. <laughs> Oregon ducks. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting just doing a little bit of, you know, deeper digging on the team itself. Like for example, I had no idea that the ducks had not had a wide receiver drafted in the first round in like four decades. Absolutely crazy. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't surprised when you guys didn't talk about the ducks on your wide receiver. You, podcast because they just have not been producing much in the NFL. So uh, I was looking kind of at the Ducks and, and what to expect for, you know, this upcoming year and, and beyond. And one of the things that I really came away with is we've talked a little bit about Anthony Brown uh, transferring in from Boston College, and he's going to be uh, competing with Tyler Shuck, who was the backup to Justin Herbert last year. And as I was looking into the team a little bit more, I actually would not be surprised if Shuck wins the quarterback competition and just has an incredible year. He has the tools to really be an effective quarterback in this offense. I think a lot of people think about Oregon and I talk about this all the time um, as like this high flying air raid type offense because it's spread, but it's a spread offense that uh, does most of its damage on the ground, or at least that's what they want to do. They want to run the football. They don't want to necessarily just do this whole air raid style. So it's a spread run first. It's the power kind of, yeah, and then they do a lot of the RPO stuff, and, and I think it will really play to Tyler Shuck's strengths. So I think Shuck's um, in a good position to succeed uh, for this year, and then maybe, um, you know, because he's only a sophomore, maybe he's able to uh, to to stick around for a while. But um, the quarterback room is, is pretty deep as they are bringing in two four-star recruits in Jay Butterfield and Robbie Ashford. Both of those guys were four-star guys who were, you know, top 10 um, well, Ashford was a 13th dual threat guy and Butterfield was the fifth ranked pro side quarterback. So, so both of them have some, some expectation going 
going in with uh, going in with them. So so I'm hoping something can happen there. Um, obviously, the the one name everyone knows for like Debbie purposes when it comes to Oregon is CJ Verdell. But even he has really been, um, I think, pushed down because of the lack of draft capital that Oregon running backs have received. And the ones that have received decent draft capital haven't really produced. So I think people are very skeptical on CJ Verdell, whereas I am excited about him. I think he could be really, really productive in the NFL if, if given the opportunity. And I think this year he's just going to have another monster year. Uh, he has had over a thousand rushing yards in back-to-back years. Um, and that's despite the fact that he is not getting a ton of carries. And, and part of that is not because of talent, but just design like the, the Oregon offense, because it is pretty fast paced. They sub in a lot of running backs. So you got three or four guys going in and out every game. Like Travis Dye saw a lot of work. Cyrus Habililiku saw some work as well. So these guys are all coming in and, and, and contributing a lot. Uh, so I think Verdell is someone who um, I'm putting trade offers out for because I think he is going to have a very good season. I think he is going to be uh, highly productive. And I think he's, you know, I don't think he's going to have um, super high draft capital because, again, this is going to be a pretty deep running back class, uh, oh, just God. like we saw this year. You think it's going to be deep? Well, top, maybe top heavy. But I, I, mean, I think, I think, I think about- there's like three or four awesome guys. I I would actually, my argument to that is, I think Brunel may get the bump just because if there is a team that's a little bit running back desperate, I think we're looking at a class where you're going to get two or three guys that, that do earn that day two draft capital that aren't actually normal day two guys. It's it's sort of why you can't discount Sermon earlier because there are so few. But See, I, I, I think you're, I, I honestly think you might underset, be underselling where Verdell's potential might be because he could be the fifth running back in this class because this class is gross. Hmm. Okay. Not to undercut so, you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's good. I think us having disagreements is good for is good for good for our listeners. I think um, my thoughts are we're talking about this class before we've had the season, so that always makes the class look a little bit worse because these a lot of the guys that are going to pop haven't had the opportunity to yet. I mean, Journey Brown, if if he gets the opportunity at Penn State, if he takes over the workload and, and puts up numbers like you know Sanders and Barkley did before him, like he's going to jump up jump up draft boards you know like you we just don't know what's going to happen yet this year i uh, think about a guy like kennedy brooks um having more of an opportunity to be the lead back in oklahoma so i think there's names that are gonna pop whereas cj verdell i i think he's already kind of hit his production like i think he's gonna get another thousand yards this year i think he's gonna have another good year like i was saying but i don't think it's gonna be that much different than what it was last year or the year before because his role in the offense is going to remain the same because of the design of the offense. So I think because there are, and what I meant by deep, I mean, I think you have two elite running backs in Hubbard and Etienne, and then the rest are all kind of a composite. Yeah. Like you were talking about Gainwell. We're talking about, um, you know, Kylan Hill, all these guys are kind of, any one of them could make Kylan Hill under the bus, man. I love Kylan Hill though. Um, Like any one of them could make that jump and, and become that next tier. Um, and I think maybe what we need to do soon is actually just sit down and talk about that second tier of running backs, maybe have Travis on the show as well, and we can break it down. And you two can just tell me why I'm wrong, because I think he agrees with you on this. Um, and, and I think it could be really interesting. Anyway, all that to say, CJ Burdell is, is a name to definitely, um, I think, be... No. What? No, what? I said he's a guy to know. 
Oh, yes. And I think someone to, to put a couple of feelers out and try to get him in a trade. Uh, wide receivers, as we mentioned, has been pretty bleak for for the Ducks, but I am excited about the future. Micah Pittman, who's Michael Pittman's little brother, who you mentioned earlier. Uh, Micah Pittman is a sophomore. He had a pretty disappointing year due mainly to injuries, but he is a former four-star guy, highly recruited, highly touted, and I think could really make the jump if there's a decent quarterback throwing him the football. So he's a name that I think he could be um, a guy with decent draft capital. Uh, probably not first round. I don't think he'll be the guy that breaks it, but I could see him as a future day two type guy. Uh, the the receiver that led the Ducks in receiving is Johnny Johnson the third. I don't really think he projects to be much more than a role-playing type, like wide receiver three type guy in the NFL. Like not in Dynasty, but on a football team. Like I could see him like ending up in the Patriots as their like third or fourth wide receiver. He he doesn't have um he doesn't have near the ceiling that a lot of these other guys do. Um, but they do have a lot of second year players at the position with a lot of um recruiting pedigree as well as opportunity uh, because although you know none of these wide receivers have been drafted out of Oregon a lot of them have been leaving so you've got uh, great opportunities for guys like J.R. Waters Josh Delgado is a guy I like a lot and then Lance Wilhoyt Devin Williams is another dude he's a junior though who could have an opportunity to shine so um, all that to say the wide receiver room is pretty full but not exactly with super high-end talent but when we look at like what's coming down the pike, the 2021 recruiting class is like already like top five and it's getting better and better. And most of it is on the office and offensive side of the football. They've brought in four, um, four star offensive linemen. They've brought in two, four star tight ends, a bunch of wide receivers, including who we talked about earlier, Troy Franklin, who is a five star recruit out of California and the sky is a limit for him. They were actually talking to him. This is where I actually was reading about the uh, first round thing. They were talking to Troy about it, and they're like, man, why are you going to school that doesn't produce wide receiver talent in the NFL? He said, well, that's all going to change with me. I'm excited to be the first wide receiver from Oregon to be taken in the first round in a couple of years. So I really like him. But the guy I'm most excited about is Ty Thompson. You mentioned the Elite 11 earlier. He was like ranked like the MVP, like uh, rated the MVP from that uh, two weekends ago. So Ty Thompson out of Arizona. He is currently a four-star guy, but after that performance, every single site like 247 and all the other guys were saying we're moving him up uh, to because he's just catching everyone's attention and he's just been balling out and people are really excited about him. So uh, Ty Thompson's a name I'm definitely circling and excited about for the future for the quarterback position in Oregon. It'll be interesting to see uh, like if Shuck does win the job, if Shuck gets to keep going until he's a senior, then Thompson has to wait a little while or if they just hand the reins over. So we'll see. But I'm um, really excited about the future for Oregon. They look really, really strong. And yeah, I think Cristobal is doing a great job putting that offense together, really focusing on protecting the quarterback, running the football. And I think it's going to eventually lead to some kind of exciting fantasy football options from the university of Oregon, which is not something that we've really been able to say all that much outside of like LeGarrett blunt. And he was never all that exciting. So yeah, yeah. That, that, that's Oregon. I, I think the one name, the one name you didn't mention that I am hoping for a lot from is Sean dollars. Oh yeah. This the is running back. This yes. is me being incredibly selfish. Cause I have him on a campus or a yeah, campus to Canton league. He is, he was the number two all purpose back behind Wandale Robinson last year. I, yep. I just think that matters. Um, and if you guys find a creative way to use him, he's 
he's a he's an interesting player. Um, but with that being said, I don't have my hopes very high for him. But I'm fingers crossed that uh, he could be good. Well, I, I actually I did write about him in the article a little bit. I was just oh, trying no. to stop talking. Um, <laughs> but but I am excited for dollars, not for this upcoming year, but the the following year because they don't really have highly recruited running backs outside of him. They they brought in a guy named uh, uh, Seven McGee from California, but he's more of an all-purpose back, more of like a, a wide receiver, slot receiver type guy, more than an actual true running back. So I think I think Dollars is actually going to have an opportunity to to cash it in, if if you will. For sure. So yeah. Um, Arizona State, my man. So <laughs> Arizona State's really fun. Um, and I'm actually going to push one guy to the end that everyone kind of cares about. Um, I'll just push Daniels to the end because I want to spend a little bit of time ranting. Um, so we'll get to running back first. So your guy, your guy, Eno Benjamin. I don't know gone. who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so it's this running back. He's small. You Se- thought he was seventh gonna round. Tra- seventh you th- round. Draft you thought capital. he was going to be a third round pick. And I kept telling you he's not going to be a third round pick. I thought he'd be uh, a fourth round pick. I yeah. hoped he would be a fourth round. Yeah. Pick. Yeah. Um, but here's, what's fun. He had every single one of their running back touchdowns last year, um, running the ball. He had 90% of their yards and he had 83% of their carries. And guess what? They don't have a lot of people who returned. So he's gone. AJ Carter decided to transfer. And this guy, Demetrius flowers last year, carried the ball 11 times. Um, so what are they going to do? Well, they're going to be fun and they're going to use true freshmen. So the number one guy um, to, that you should sort of expect to see this year is this guy, Diamante Trainum. He's out of, uh, he's from Akron, Ohio, uh, from Archbishop Hoban. He had, a, he had 1,300 yards and 26 touchdowns as a junior. He was pretty injured as a senior, but he was a, like I said, he was a really, really productive back as a junior, and he was actually a two-way player. Um, so just an interesting guy. Ohio State was way in on him early on, um, kind of missed out because they were pushing for another guy. They actually had two silent commitments, and that's when Trainum decided to go to Arizona State rather than staying with Ohio State. But the other interesting name is Danielle. Danielle. Um, it sounds weird, but he has a weird Y thrown <laughs> in the middle of the name Daniel. So Daniel Nagata, um, he's an all-purpose back. Um, over his high school career, he had over 2,400 rushing yards and almost 13, or and over 1,200 receiving yards and 47 total touchdowns. And he also was used in a return role. Um, I think that between the two of them, one of them is going to pop as awesome. Uh, if I were to put my money down early, I would guess train him because he's a little more of the traditional back profile. But Eno Benjamin was a little bit of that mix and match versatile player as well. Yeah. And that might scheme a little bit better for Nagata. So both of them are guys to watch. I think if you're in standard size Debbie drafts where there's only about four rounds worth of players, one of them might go, but you actually might be able to completely just sit and wait and see who pops the next year. And neither one's probably going to jump up and be the guy you have to take in the first round next year, but they're both really interesting. Um, the receiver room kind of sucks, but I've kind of thought that for the past few years and or not few years because Nihil here was good, but they've put a first round talent in the NFL two consecutive years. Um, and Ayuk was not considered a first round talent at the beginning of last year. So you kind of can't write anyone off. They have one red shirt freshman or red, red shirt senior player who appears to be next in line for high volume. And that guy's name is Frank Darby. Don't draft him. Don't think that me saying his name means that he's going to be a first round player. He's he's not. Um, but 
he might be a really productive player. So if you're in like a college league, he's a guy worth watching, um, worth drafting early because he should be kind of in that same volume range as Ayuk. And he he's I mean, he might be a name that over the course of next year you start hearing. So just when it's time for the end of the year to come around and people are saying, oh, well, this Frank Darby guy is a first round player. Don't be shocked because he might be that guy. Beyond that, they went ballistic with their wide receiver recruiting in 2020. Um, So they had four commitments last year alone. Um, The first guy, Johnny Wilson, um, he was a, the number 115 overall player. Um, Elijah Badger uh, was 139 overall. Uh, LV Bunkley Shelton, it was 157th overall. And this guy, Chad Johnson Jr., uh, son of the, the all pro wide receiver, he was 365 overall. Because they have actually had so much success producing talent, and Herm Edwards has proven that he can put a receiver in the first round, I don't want to discount any of these names. I don't know which one of them is going to be the guy. If I were to put right. money down right now, I would guess I would guess Wilson. Um, he's a six foot six guy, runs a force a sub four six forty. That's it's just that's not bad. <laughs> no, that's and, and that's that's kind of the thing you're looking for. He's the high since he's the highest pedigree. There's a decent chance he's going to be the first one to get on the field. And like I said, six six. That's unique. So he's a guy worth watching um, from this squad. But all of that is just because of this one dude under center, um, Jaden Daniels. If you have any concerns about him, it's that he's a little bit slim. You wish he was 200 and something pounds, but right now he's probably like 180. Um, But for a guy who is awfully skinny, he sure does run the ball pretty effectively. So last year he had 355 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Um, His senior year of high school, he had over 1,500 yards rushing um, and 16 touchdowns. This guy is a dual threat quarterback that is going to be Really, really fun. I personally right now have him as my number two quarterback in the class of... Actually, I don't think I have it in the rankings that are currently posted, but in the ones that aren't posted yet that are going up, uh, hopefully soon. Um, Jane Daniels if is only, my... If only someone could get their rankings put out there. You aren't the only one. Our, know, uh, our, fearless, our fearless Devi leader does not have oh. his finished yet either. So you are not the only one. But in our secret, super duper secret rankings that are coming out soon, Jaden Daniels is my QB2 in the class of 2022. Uh, there's a reason I went after him in my Devi draft. I think he's... I think that mix of passing and receiving is really good. So here are a few stats that I like. Um, His adjusted yards per attempt last year was 9.45. Just to put this out there, we we look for a seven um, is kind of our threshold for good. So 9.45 is really good. Um, If this was 2008, we would be gushing over a 9.45 as, oh my gosh, how can a player even do that? But because it's 2020 and now everyone is awesome at QB efficiency. That was only 12th best in the country last year, but he had 17 touchdowns to only two interceptions. Like I said, you know, Benjamin was kind of the center of the offense, but now Benjamin's gone. That means this is Daniel's offense. Um, And I mean, like I mentioned his high school rushing, you'd think a guy who rushed for 1500 yards, maybe he wasn't as productive through the air. Maybe they were such a run heavy team. Nope. He had 4,500 yards passing, um, on a 70% completion percentage. And he passed for 60 touchdowns. Um, 
not fluky because the year before he threw for 62 touchdowns and wow. threw for over 5,000 yards. This guy's really, really, really good. So I would say if you're looking for, if you're trying to pivot, if if you are sitting there and you're in a Debbie auction and you're, you're not the highest budget guy. Um, so I, I, I mean, I can say this, the not highest budget guys in our draft basically quit when they realized they weren't going to get the super top guys. Don't quit. Pivot. You can't get Sam Howell. You can't get Keaton Slovis. Um, look at look for Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is incredibly talented, and that team is putting a lot of faith in him because they're going to try and run their <clears throat> run their offense through the passing game a little bit more this year, and they might rely on his legs a little bit more than they did because he doesn't have that safety net running back that he had with Eno Benjamin. So, this is a guy whose stock is probably going to go up. Um, yeah. So sure. get him now before all of a sudden he's double the price next year. Um, yeah. And as for who, the recruits, no, well, no, I was going to just ask you about Jaden real quick. Who would you, who would you say has the best defense in the pac 12? Roughly a couple of the best defenses in the pac 12. Oregon. Yeah, this is what he did. So this is how I know who Jaden was last year against Oregon. He threw for over 400 yards with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Like the dude can ball. Like he yeah. is an incredible, incredible quarterback. I mean, last year he only threw two interceptions on the season. Like the, I just wanted people to know you're not the only one saying this, like the guy can play. And just because you haven't heard about him yet, maybe doesn't mean that, uh, that you shouldn't because, like you said, his his stock is on the rise. And to be honest, I'm I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he overtakes Trey Lance by the end of the year. I mean, you think Lance? I mean, Lance is probably going out this year. Sure. I, I just mean as far as in our rankings. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's I, I'm I think he has a ceiling unlike the rest. I think his ceiling might be higher than House just because of the running. Yeah. Um, his ceiling to me is definitely higher than Slovis. I, I, apples to apples. One was a, one was a high four star and one was a mediocre three star. Um, Slovis was three star. Um, Daniels was one of the top four stars. I will say that, um, I tend to, I trust certain recruiting guys and that what they see, um, Barton Simmons, Jane Daniels is his guy. His guy over Hal, his guy over Slovis, his guy like right up there. Um, now, maybe I'm biased to part Barton Simmons because he had Justin Fields as the number one um, quarterback <laughs> in his class. But, but he was right on that. <laughs> he, I, I mean, Fields is Fields turned it quick. So, I mean, if if he is right and Jaden Daniels is the top guy in this class right now, you can get him at the price of third most or third most expensive in this class. And like you said, Trey Lance is sitting out there probably in a lot of Debbie depleted drafts. He might be the fourth most expensive. Heck he might even be the fifth most because I forgot about Spencer Rattler. Yeah. So that, I think he's a really high ceiling guy and I think you should get to know him. Um, their recruiting class sucks right now. So I don't really want to spend a lot of time with it. There's not a single name worth knowing. Um, don't try and reach for him next year. Unless they they turn it around, uh, which they probably will. Herm Edwards has been a good recruiter uh, through this process so far. But right now, don't draft Finn Collins. Don't draft Cameron Beecham. Okay. (laughs) Uh, As far as Jaden goes, though, I think you you 
mentioning the receivers that they've already been able to bring in. Those are the guys that he's going to be throwing to. So as far as for his stock, it shouldn't hurt much. Oh, his his talent that he, he that receiving room. Yeah, they're bringing like Frank Darby might lead this year. By next year, they're going to have a sophomore heavy room. And that sophomore heavy room is going to be the most talented receiver room that Arizona State has ever had. Yeah. So, so the, yeah, so the future is it's, it's not, it's not too bad. (laughs) It's not too bad on Arizona state. So that's, that, that, that is good. That is a good thing. I, I think we are already over an hour. We're up at an hour 10. I think we should, because I am going, um, on a very long camping trip in about two weeks. So instead of doing the way too early top 10 this week, why don't we do an episode next week where we focus on that since I'll be out the week after. How does that sound? That's good. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So we will uh, push that to next week. Uh, So that was a a tease leading you to, you know, have to come back for another episode. But it was a good time talking a little bit uh, about these prospects, talking a little bit about what the landscape might look like uh, for the season. Of course, we'll get more information. And as we do, we will uh, continue to break it down. Uh, Any parting words of knowledge from you, Mr. Wispay? Bye, Chris Alave. Indeed. Thank you again for listening. I want to thank our sponsors, Blue Wire, FFPC, and Bet Online. And of course, don't forget to go get that 10% word of his discount, as you heard mentioned earlier in the episode. Thanks again for listening. We will be back with you next week with our way too early top 10. It's finally over. Notfest Roadshow is back. October 13th, Jiffy Lube Live. Featuring Slipknot. With Kill Switch Engage, Fever 333, and Code Orange. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com. Part of the Metris Warehouse Concert Series. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.